Every believer has the capacity to live as Jesus lived. Live victoriously over sin, sickness, death, poverty, and every evil works of the enemy. You can transform not just your own life, but the lives of people around you. The more you expose yourself to the words of God, the more you see it flow through you. In this message, Pastor Philip teaches on how you can respond to God's unconditional love for you. Live your life in the reality of His power and be all His Word says you can be. It's a love song. A love song. How much you love God. How many of you love Jesus? Love Jesus. How many of you love Jesus? I love Jesus. I really do love Jesus. And I tell him all the time. Tell him, Lord, I love you. Tell him, Lord, I love you. All right, Mark chapter 1, quickly. Mark chapter 1. Do more. Do you have Mark chapter 1, verse 35? Mark chapter 1, verse 35. I'll run this through in about 10, 15 minutes. Hopefully. All right. <laughs> I'm telling you, I have about eight pages written here. No, no, I'm not doing today. Amen. We have Tuesday, we have next Sunday, we have next two Tuesdays, we have all those things, all right? Okay, Mark 1 verse 35, what does it say? Help me quickly. And in the morning, in the morning, rising up a great while before day, yes, he went out, Jesus went and out, departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. he prayed. Jesus went out before dawn. I said last Sunday that prayer is the most critical assignment of every believer. Prayer is more important than anything. It's more important than singing in the choir. It's more important than ushering. It's more important than handling the sound. Prayer is the most important task of a believer. And the truth, prayer is the true measure of a believer's spirituality. If I want to know how spiritual you are, I don't look at how often you come to church. Anybody can come to church. Satan comes to church every Sunday. So if it's by coming to church... I can measure true spirituality by church attendance. True spirituality is measured by the strength of your secret place. That's how to measure it. If you want to ask yourself, how spiritual I am, how spiritual, you want to measure your own spirituality by yourself, by yourself. Examine yourself. Your true spirituality is in the strength of your prayer life. The Bible says, that we should never allow the fire to go out. Leviticus chapter 6, verse 12 to 13. Don't allow the fire to go out. Satan can allow you to come to church. You know, Satan doesn't like you coming to church in the real sense. Satan doesn't want you coming to church. But in the extreme, it can, it can allow you to come to church. You know, it will just try to follow you. You understand? And make sure you are pinging while I'm preaching. Make sure you are chatting on Instagram while I'm preaching. You see, that's Satan. So if you are doing that, you know who you are listening to, Abby? Yeah. That's Satan. He's the one whispering to you. We are chatter. Send her a message. You have one miss call. Reply while I'm preaching. That's Satan. That's Satan. So he can come to you. But Satan cannot. He will do everything. He will spend his last blood, if he has any, to stop you from having a prayer life. That's what your power is. Leviticus chapter 6 says the fire should not go out of the altar. Give it to me. Leviticus 6 verse 12 to 13. Give me NLT. Leviticus 6, 12 to 13. I will be dwindling between NLT and passions. NLT and passions. NLT and passions. Leviticus 6, 12 to 13. Quickly. 
Meanwhile, the fire yes. on the altar must be kept burning. Yes. It must never go out. So the Bible says it must be kept. When it means it must be kept, it means that there's a responsibility on you to keep it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Are you listening to me? So the fire does not burn automatically. Your prayer life does not grow by accident. You can't grow your prayer life. You can't maintain your prayer life accidentally. There must be a deliberate, conscious, intentional effort to keeping it burning. Give me back that scripture quickly. Do more. Meanwhile, the fire on the altar must be kept burning. Yes. It must never go out. Never go out, yes. Each morning. Each morning. The priest will add fresh wood to the fire. The priest, the, please, can you help out with the mic? I need that mic clear. The priest will add fresh wood to the fire. Someone say fresh wood. Fresh wood. Fresh wood to fire, yes. And arrange the burnt offering. He will arrange the burnt offering, yes. He will then burn the fat of the peace offerings. Yes. Remember, the fire must be kept burning on the altar at all times. All times it must never, never go, go out. All times. Night time, burning. Morning, burning. The Bible says it must arrange every morning. Every morning. Book of Proverbs 27. The Bible says where there's no wood, the fire goes out. The fire does not burn out by itself. It was human beings that stopped putting wood. Every time your fire goes out, nothing happens. You were the one that stopped putting the wood. You must take responsibility for your fire. If I stop praying or if I stop having a strong prayer life, nothing. There's nothing that happened. I was the one that stopped putting wood. Fire can burn forever. Chinedu, if I set a place on fire, it can burn till Jesus Christ comes. Fire never says it's enough. That's why we have wildfires. Like we have California fire. You have fire that burned for months, for weeks. Fire can keep burning so long there's something to burn. If fire has something to burn, it will burn till Jesus Christ comes. Why does fire stop burning? Human beings stop putting the wood. If a prayer fire goes out, I was the one that stopped putting the wood every morning. I was the one, not the devil. I was the one that stopped putting the wood every morning. The Bible says you must put the wood every morning. If you take responsibility for your prayer fire, it will stop burning. Prayer is the most urgent task. Is the most urgent task of the believer. When you wake up on the Monday morning, the most critical thing you must do is to first pray. Not to respond to that mail. Not to answer that phone call. No, no, no. The most urgent task of a believer is to pray. Is to burn all night. If you look at verse 9, the Bible says he must burn all night. Give me verse 9. Quickly do more. Verse 9 of Leviticus chapter 6. It says he must burn all day, then he must burn all night. Leviticus chapter 6. What does it say? Give it. Give Aaron and his sons the following instructions regarding the burnt offering. Yes. The burnt offering must be left on top of the altar until the next morning. Yes. And the fire on the altar must be kept burning all night. So the fire burns all day. The fire burns all night. The fire burns all day. Tell me, neighbor. The fire burns all day. And the fire burns all night. So if you have your fire burning all night, you will need to start it by the night. It's already burning. When the enemy comes to you at night, you don't need to start a fire. It's already burning. It's already burning. Your fire must burn all night. If you enter my room in the night and I hear noise, I will say shaka 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 pata. If I hear no shabere 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 kelebo korobo. If someone says me mambra kata brada brada, it has entered into my subconscious. It's almost like, ah, are you always praying? That, yeah, that's it. If I, it, it, you know, sometimes when you go, wait for us. Good morning. Good morning. It, it, it has entered because the fire must be kept burning all night and all day. Number one, I said last week that it was for Jesus a personal relationship with God. Our prayer life must be built on God's love for us. First, it should never be a means to earn his love. 
Your prayer life is not a means to earn God's love. God already loves you. He doesn't love you more because you pray. He doesn't love you less because you don't pray. Your prayer life must be inched on the fact that God already loves you. That song the pastor Pacha sang says, I'm already loved. I'm already chosen. I don't have to earn it. Now, a lot of believers begin to feel terrible and feel guilty, and it affects the strength of their prayer life because they inch their prayer lives on a sort of responsibility to earn God's love. God loved you while you were smoking the book. God loved you while you were sleeping around. He loved you. God loves everybody unconditionally. You see, there's a problem in the church. And the problem in the church is that we tell sinners that they are loved unconditionally. But we tell the saved that they are loved conditionally. So a sinner is loved unconditionally. He doesn't read his Bible. He doesn't pray, but he's loved by Jesus. But then he comes to church and now he's saved and born again. And we tell him, for Jesus to love you, you have to read your Bible. That's an aberration. It's not true. Jesus loves you whether you read your Bible or not. Jesus loves you whether you pray or not. If you like, don't pray. You're only stupid. Jesus loves you stupid. You get my point? Loves you stupid. He loves you whether you read your Bible or not. His love for you is eternal. So God loves us as a person. And our prayer life and the strength of our prayer life must be inched on His love for us. It breaks every sense of guilt and condemnation you have when you pray. Some of you come to God's presence. The first thing you ask is, say, Father, forgive me for my sin. Sin I know. Intentional sin. I don't know. The way I did for. The way I don't know. Because you are coming to God's presence with a consciousness of sin. A consciousness of sin. Don't come to God's presence because of sin. Don't do that. God loves you. But God loves you. Whether you pray or not. There was a time I used to sleep up when I pray. I shared that story before in this house. I sleep up when I pray. And when I woke up, how many of you have slept up when you're praying for? Let me see. Oh, we are so much. We are like legions. Oh God, we sleep off and we pray. And when you wake up in the morning, just remember that, ah, I thought I was praying. I mean, you, you wanted to pray. That was, that was the last thing you remembered. And then you, whoosh. So when I wake up, you know what I start doing? Father, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. I slept, forgive me. Forgive me for sleeping while I was praying. And I enter his presence with guilt and condemnation. And I did that for several months. And when God says, shut up. I said, Lord, is this why are you asking forgiveness? I said, because I slept while I was praying. Jesus said, in whose hands would you rather sleep if not in my hands? You see, that changed the narrative. Completely. Changed the narrative completely. Now I know that I am not earning his love. I'm dealing with someone that already loved me. Jeremiah 31 says, I have already loved you. I have drawn you with my loving kindness. Praise the Lord. So Jesus dealt with God as a person. Number two, it was his priority. Prayer was his priority. Mark chapter 135 says he woke up long before dawn. He woke up long before dawn and he went to pray. Prayer was Jesus' priority. It was the most important thing for him. Prayer is more important than your phone. Your phone. Your phone. Hey, your phone. Your phone. Some of you, before you even check whether your leg is still working, you check your phone. Prayer, the one that kept you awake, kept you alive through your sleep, is the one you should talk to first. I told you my father was an herbalist. My father was an herbalist. I grew up in his house. And I saw him when he woke up. He never spoke to any of us. My father would not say anything to anybody until he had said something to his idols, dead gods. And he would wake up and he would gesticulate if he needed to say something. And until he had gone into that shrine and locked himself there for like 30 to 45 minutes, 
he would not come out to say anything to us, even his children. I learned that from my father. And he was talking to a dead God. He was worshipping a dead God. And yet he did that. That was a discipline. He understood the promptness and the criticality of talking to his maker. To him, that was his maker. Prayer must be your priority. By being your priority, you must put a time to it. It will never run casually. Tell him, I say, neighbor, put a time to your prayer life. If I ask you and say, pastor, I pray when I feel led, then that means you don't have a prayer life. You don't have a prayer life. I'm telling you the truth. If I count how many times I've felt led to pray in my entire life since I gave my life to Christ, I'm not sure it's up to 15 times. I just, hey, I feel like praying. Never. I never feel like praying. I never. How many of you always been like praying? Let me see. Yeah. I have a friend. My wife and I go to their house. They are always in the spirit. You enter their room. Push. Two minutes is too, is too much for them to start seeing visions. I say, this is a lie. No human being lives like this. It's a lie. They are lying. No human being is perpetually the spirit. They are always seeing visions, always seeing trances, always hearing God. Ah, as I sat here now, God spoke to me through my left ear. Is a lie. Is a lie. I have to put a time to it. I have to put a time to it. I pray 9 a.m. every morning. I pray 12 noon every afternoon. I pray, see, if I don't put a time to it, it will never happen. If you pray as you feel led, you will never pray. One day I ask the Lord, Lord, why must it be? I don't want routine. I want to live as the Spirit leads. God says, then you will never leave. He said, look at nature. Nothing happens as the Spirit leads. The sun rises from the east, sets in the west. You will never see the sun. He says, I feel led to rise in the west. The sun has a routine. Over the thousands of years, the sun has risen every day from the east. You think the sun does not have spirit? Look at the weather. Look at the seasons. We have dry seasons. We have rainy seasons. We have amateur. Each season coming after the other. No season says, please me, I feel led to come first this year. No, no. Nothing happens as the spirit leads. It happens by routine. By schedule, you schedule. If you don't schedule your prayer life, you will never have a prayer life. If I don't put a time to it, children have to put a time to it. That's why we have prayer watches. 6 a.m., 12 afternoon, 6 p.m., 12 midnight. 6 a.m. every morning. Can I tell you the truth? Most of that 6 a.m., I don't feel like praying. But I put a time to it. Whether I like it or not, I must pray. Do you get my point? Six years is a routine. You are not going to feel like it every day. I'm going to be where every time you walk us to see him and you hear my voice, you really feel like praying. But you have to pray. Put a schedule to it. In the Old Testament, they had time. They had the hour of prayer. And you may, you may say, let's they are just living under the hood coming out. We are the New Testament saints. You are powerless. Powerless. You don't know what it is to pray. You have a time to it. I have a time to my prayer life. 6 a.m. I'm praying. 5 a.m. I'm praying. 12 noon I'm praying. I have a time to it. Then I put a duration to it. I go further. I don't just put a time to it. I put it. I say, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to pray for 15 minutes without my phone on. I put a time to it. I put a duration to it. If I don't discipline myself to do it like that, I will never have. Jesus had his hour of prayer. It was priority for him. 
It was priority for him. Putting an hour of prayer over your family will put a wall of protection over your family. I know when I'm praying. My kids know when I'm praying. There was a story I heard about the Korean war and the Korean army, the, the commander said to the, to the, to the, to the he, had, he, had, he had a particular battalion, it was, it, was, it was over. And then he said to one of the, he said to some of the soldiers, he said, there's a wounded soldier out there. There's a wounded soldier out there. He's wounded, but he's still alive. And I want us to go out and get him. He said, I know this is very dangerous. The enemy army, you know, is there throwing bombs and grenades and all that. I said, but is there anyone that's courageous enough to let's do this? And one guy says, please, I would go. He said, are you sure? He said, yes. He said, but can I wait till 9 a.m.? So yes, okay, 9 a.m. So it was a few minutes to 9 a.m. So by 9 a.m., the guy went. There were bullets you know, running over his head, over his shoulder, everything. I mean, literally hot bullets, bombs. He was running all through, but he survived the whole attack and pulled that soldier into safety and saved his life. So the commander was very eager to know, why did you say 9 a.m.? So he asked him, Boy, that's, that's, that's powerful. You need the more. We're going to give you a medal. This, this is courageous. Never seen that. He said, but why were you eager about 9 a.m.? He said, my mommy will be praying by 9 a.m. <laughs> said, I know my mom is praying by 9 a.m. Put a time to it. Put a time to it. Put a time to it. Don't leave it to chance. Don't leave it casually. Put a time. I pray 6 a.m. to 6.15. If it's 15 minutes, don't, don't, put, don't put a time that is too far away. Don't, you that you don't used to wake up. Don't say, I wake up by 3 a.m. No, you're not going to wake up, boy. You're going to sleep. Put it at the time you wake up. Don't stretch too far that it becomes impossible to achieve. Make it your priority. Number three, make it personal. Someone say, make it personal. Prayer is not a performance. So you have people that when it's to pray publicly, they are sure They don't have a prayer life. It's only outside the gate power. Prayer is not a demonstration. The Bible says your father that sees you in the secret shall reward you openly. The results of your prayer should be heard openly, not the loud tongues of your mouth. Yes. It's the results we want to see. The father that sees you in secret. So Jesus Christ will leave everybody and go secret. Jesus Christ has learned the art of being alone. You're going to give me this scripture quickly, do more. Give me Mark. Give me Luke chapter 5. I'm going to jump over Mark. I'm going to take this. I'll teach this on. Oh, my time is gone. I'll teach this on Tuesday. Luke chapter 5, 15 to 16. Give me Amplified. Luke 5, 15 to 16. While you are that, open to open Matthew 14. Someone open Matthew 14 to 20, 14, 23. Luke 5, 15 to 16. Matthew 14, 23. Luke 5. 15 to 16, Matthew 14, 20. Give it to me quickly. But the news about him was spreading farther. Yes. And large crowds kept gathering. So you see, the Bible says large crowds were gathering to hear him and, and to, to be healed by him of their... Continue to do more. Don't worry. I'm just reading through. But Jesus himself will often sleep away to the wilderness. So the Bible says that he will do what? Often sleep away. Often. You know the word sleep. What does it mean to sleep? Sneak. Eh? Sneak. You, you, you watch and then you... Sleep. Bible says, but he would often. So I say often. Say it again. Say often. What does what does it mean when Bible says, when they say often? What does often means? Yeah, that means he does it often. He would sleep because everyone wants to talk to him. Everybody loves me. Everybody loves me. I have many followers. That's why you're not having a prayer life. You're spending all the time answering your followers. Your prayer life is dying, sister. Shut down and sleep away like Jesus would do. The Bible says, oftentimes he will sleep away. What does he go to do? Sleep. And pray. To the wilderness. 
and pray in seclusion. So Jesus understood that he would not allow the crowd or his seeming responsibility to them to rob him of the opportunity to talk to his father. The Bible says he slips away. He slips away. He run away because he needs to pray. Never allow the busyness of life take you away. Rub away. Steal away. Sneak away. Sneak away. Tell him as a neighbor, you, learn to, you, learn, you need to learn the art of sneaking away. So sneak away. Everybody say, where is he? Where is he? Everybody has gone to pray. They cannot say, where is he? Where is he? He has gone to pray. So look at, look at next. Look at next for Matthew. Matthew chapter 14, 23. Give to me, Matthew 14, 23. After he had dismissed the crowds. So this was after he had performed the miracle. He had multiplied bread and fishes. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I'm even know that story. And some in our church. Yeah, so he had, he had multiplied bread and he had given multiplied fishes and everybody had eaten and you imagine what was happening. Do you know what was happening? Imagine, you, you know what happened when they gave money to delegates? You, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, you know everybody was there shouting and saying this would be our president because they gave stolen money, you know, back to people they stole it from and people did not know that this was our money from the first time, you know, because these are thieves giving money to robbers and rogues. You know, because it's not possible for me to bribe my way through the delegates and have intention to serve a nation. Anyone that bribes cannot have intention. Anyone that bribes have intention to steal. You see what I mean? Anyone that bribes to get, you can, you cannot, they cannot give you Nigeria and you are eager to save. Let me tell you the truth. Let me tell you the truth. This country is at the terrible, the most lowest ebb. Anyone that is so eager to be there must as a personal, as a personal agenda. If I enter a kitchen and it's full with, filled with dirty dishes, I don't dance. Those people that are dancing for winning primaries, suspect them. They have it now. Because if you really, really want to work, if you know what it is, if you know what it is, our nation is at the lowest head. If you know what work is needed in this nation, you will not dance. You will not bribe delegates to win the election. Anyone that bribe delegates will bribe general elections. <sighs> Where was I? Eh? So he had, he had, he had given them bread. The crowd. He had given them food. The Bible says he dismissed the crowd. So imagine after doing that, everybody was shouting, Jesus must be king. Jesus must be king. Because they have not seen food before. They have not seen food. They are giving them bread. And they put the sticker of the politician inside the bread. So they have not seen that before. And so they are shouting, it must be our president. It must be our... in the midst of all that. Jesus dispersed the crowd. The Bible says he dismissed the crowd. Then he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. to pray. And when it was evening, he was still there alone. And Jesus knows how to get out of the crowd to be alone with God in the midst of the success. It's not a time, you know, after a miracle, I mean, that should have been a time for press conference. I say, Master Jesus, could you please tell us how you were able to achieve this feat? So, well, I want to thank my parents. Attack for showing me the way of the Lord. You know, my, my mom was taken to the temple right from when I was age 12. So, special thing. Peace out, mom. I love you, mom. Thank you, mom. And my dad stood there, gave me the training. I want to thank my church. I want to thank everyone. And, you know, I want to thank everyone. I love, you know, I, I feel the love everywhere. I feel the love, you know, and I really want to say thank you to everyone. And I want to thank me. I want to thank me for paying the price of you know, spending time, you know, that was not the time for press conferences. Jesus dismissed the crowd because he needed to spend time alone with God. 
Jesus dismisses the crowd. This is so powerful. We don't know how to dismiss the crowd. We are so in love with the crowd. We are so in love with being on the stage. We don't know when to leave the stage. It's our problems. Our politicians don't know when to leave the stage. There's a time. There's a time to seek the face of God. Jesus knows. The Bible says he dismissed the crowd. Finish it up. What does it say next? Is that all? Amplified? Yeah. So he did that. He paid the price. Mark chapter 6. Give me Mark chapter 6, verse 42 to 46. I'm going to try and end with this after mentioning just one. Mark 4, 6, 42 to 46. Give me passions. Mark chapter 6, 42 to 46. Give me passions. Passions. 6, 42 to 46. Quickly. If everyone had plenty, everyone so it's the same story, but passions puts it in a way that we can relate better. Continue. Everyone had plenty to eat and was fine. Yes. Then the 12 disciples picked up what remained, mm. and each of them ended up with a basket full of leftovers. Yes. Altogether, yes. 5,000 families were fed that day. Did it sound like giveaway? Yeah. What is that they were giving us that time, that, that COVID time? Palliatives. How many families did the government say they fed that time? I think like 3 million families. How many of you got bread? Uh, all right. Thank you, Jesus. Continue. What does it say next? After everyone had had their meal, yes. disciples to get back into the boat yes. and go on ahead of him and sail to the other side of Bethsaida. Yes. So he dispersed Yes. Said goodbye to his disciples. And then, then he slipped, slipped away, away to pray on the mountain. Dispersed the crowd. Said goodbye to his disciples. In there to be alone to pray. The last one I'm going to share today is place. He just had a place for his prayer life. He had a place. He had a place. He had a place. Okay, let me do this first. Let me do this. Let me do this. Before I can place, I'll, I'll, I'll share place on Tuesday. He, he prayed. At his peak, because this one, this one flows beautifully with this one. He prayed at his peak moments and he prayed at his pit moments. Jesus Christ prayed at his peak moments and then he prayed at his pit moments. So you see, Jesus, having registered this kind of success, spent time instead of celebrating with his friends, spent time to withdraw back to prayer. When do you need to pray after you hit that one billion dollar deal? The next thing is not Dorimi. The next thing is to go back to the place of prayer. Jesus Christ prayed at his peak moments when everything was working, when everything was beautiful. Jesus Christ prayed. He always did. When everyone was looking for him, he had a prayer life. When he was successful, he had a prayer. In his peak moments, when no one wanted to talk to him, at his garden of God's men, when everything looked terrible, Jesus had a prayer life. He prayed three times. He didn't go about worrying and pining and complaining and murmuring. Jesus had a prayer life at his peak moments and had a prayer life at his peak moments. A lot of books have been written, and I used to say this all the time. What to do when you fail. A lot of books have been written on what people should do when they fail because people anticipate failure a lot. So when you fail, what do you do? There's a book I read by John C. Maxwell, Failing Forward. I read that book when I went to sleep in a girl's house on campus and I was pursued out of my church. Amen. So I wanted to know what it means to fail forward. I had failed. So, oh God, help me. So you get the point now. So I wanted to know what to do after. I mean, you know what I'm talking about now. I wanted to know, I wanted to 
<laughs> I wanted to know what to do after I failed. Because I failed. So it's easy to go in the bookstore and find books on what to do when you fail or when you miss on your goal or your mark. But there's no book on what to do when you succeed. And people are more prone to devastating failures after a success than they are after a failure. And nothing can steal away the possibility of a next success than this current success. Some people have allowed pride, arrogance come into their heads after they have been blessed by God. So people really should learn how to pray more when they succeed. King David had gotten to a point in his life, everything was working well so smoothly. The Bible says he had nothing, he had no problem. He came out and he saw, who did he saw? Who did he see? Bathsheba Abi. Yeah, because he wasn't going to war anymore. Now he had people going to war for him. When he was still in the wilderness fighting lion, you know, you cannot have time. Say, what did you say? I fight lion. Fighting Goliath. Fighting. When Saul was pushing me everywhere, there's nowhere to rest. Thank you. All right. So I need you to, to understand that you need to pray more at those times. Pray more at those times. Pray more when everything looks as if it's going down. Pray more when everything looks as if it's going up. Whatever situation you find your life in, you must learn to pray. Amen. We have to run the service now. Were you blessed this morning? Did you learn anything? All right. So rise on your feet and begin to bless the Lord. Just thank Him. Thank Him. Father, we thank You. Tell Him, Lord, I worship You. I can see clearly now where I'm on my way. I can see clearly. Worship Him. I can see clearly now when I'm on my falling on my knees. I bow down, falling on my knees. Tell him you worship. Tell him. Tell him you worship him. Tell him he's blessed. Tell him he's a blessing. Tell him he's a gift to you. Worship him. Worship him. Father, we give you all the praise. We exalt you. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you for listening to this message. Meditate on these words and watch how it will transform your life. For inquiries, please call 0909-672-9827 or 0807-548-5997. You can reach us on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram at SLChurchNG. You can reach us on our Facebook. That's Supernatural Life Church.